Road. And that ministers to the spirit. And if you kept playing, you'd have put us all to sleep. So praise the Lord. Amen. That's good stuff. I'll tell you what. Joe, in a chapter four this morning, man, has been a good service. It's been a good Sunday school. It's been a good song service. Even the Tootsie Roll offering was a blessing. And uh, you pray that I won't ruin your little dinner, amen? <laughs> Jonah chapter 4. When you find your place <clears throat> in the book of Jonah chapter 4, would you stand? We'll read uh, chapter 4 together. Or actually, just follow along with me. I'll begin reading here in Jonah chapter 4. Bible says in Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, but God prepared a worm. When the morning arose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered, it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, which hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also... Much cattle. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Brother Chuck, why don't you ask the Lord's help in the preaching this morning? Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. We've come a long way in a short book, four chapters. I think this is our fifth Sunday preaching out of the book of Jonah. There's really no need to break it down and to dissect the thing beyond. There's a lot of lessons to be learned in Jonah. But finally, we ultimately have to face, in my opinion, the underlying problem found in the book of Jonah. And that's Jonah's a very bitter man. Jonah's got a problem with bitterness. And Jonah's bitterness uh, has infiltrated every aspect of his life. And as we expose the remaining 11 verses in this book, 
I want to preach this theme to you this morning with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. And here's the theme. I am bitter. And just like Jonah, and many Christians today, unfortunately, they're very bitter. They're bitter at their churches. They're bitter at parents. They're bitter at schools. They're bitter at kids. They're bitter at marriages. And most of all, they seem to be bitter at God Himself. Now, I want to get right into it here, and I don't want to <clears throat> belabor the thing, but I want to give you, first of all, as we make this final run, I want to give you, number one, that Jonah was bitter because his enemy got right. This is not going to be anything earth-shattering. Uh, you won't uh, get something deep theological out of this thing this morning. I'm just going to say this morning, one of the reasons that Jonah was bitter is because his enemy got right. Can I tell you this morning, sometimes the reason you're bitter is because someone who did you wrong, he'll get right. You know, Jonah, he really hated the Ninevites. They were his enemy. As you know, or may or may know, or may not know, but Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrians are who God used to take the Israel captive 80 years after this book is written. They're the sworn enemy of Israel. And Jonah really hated them. I mean, I suppose if you wanted to bring it up into uh, current vernacular, Jonah was a stinking racist. That's what it was. You say, well, I don't help yourself. Jonah was a racist. He didn't care for the Ninevites. He hated them. Uh, Jonah knew they were wrong. You, you know somebody like that? They've done you wrong, and you know they're wrong. And there's no doubt about it. There's no, gee, I wonder if they're just flat out wrong. And what they did to you was wrong. And there's, there's, there's no discussion. They're wrong and what they did was wrong. And they're your enemy. And you know, I see through the whole book of Jonah, is Jonah didn't want them to get right. He didn't want them to get right at all. So, you know the story. We preached through it. We've done the best we could with it. And maybe we'll uh, circle that lap and do it again at a later time. Jonah walks right into town square after he goes on a little magical ride. He takes a boat down to Joppa. And then this the way you know the story how it goes. There's a storm. And they end up throwing him overboard and he gets swallowed by the whale. And so then when Jonah finally reluctantly repents and gets right, then he's vomited out on dry ground. But he's got a long way to go. We ought to preach that thing. And the Lord fast-paced him. And the Lord helped him, and the Lord moved him along quicker than he normally would anybody to get where he should be. So here's the picture Jonah is now. He still hates the Ninevites. He's got right. You ever get right? Amen? I mean, you ever get right with the big thing, and then you leave the little thing behind you? And just like, well, you know, it's not pressing right now. And Jonah walks right into the town square, and you know what he does? I believe he gets in there and preaches hell like he's the guy running the joint. And he says, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Let me ask you this question. Did it get overthrown? She you know what Jonah was? He was a liar. You don't look at it that way, do you? Well, that's the way Jonah was looking at it. He went in there and he preached a message of hell, fire, and brimstone. And you know what they did? 
they got right. And you know what Jonah didn't want? He didn't want them to get right. A lot of Christians are bitter today because someone that did them wrong got right. And now they're awful uncomfortable because of that thing. And when they got right, the Bible says Jonah was displeased. You know what that word displeased means? It means that they were offended. Can you imagine someone getting right with God and you getting offended about it? <laughs> Can you imagine getting right with someone getting right with God and you getting disgusted over it? Well, that's what Jonah was. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, and it displeased Jonah. Why? His enemy got right. Could it possibly be that you're here today and someone that you don't care for, someone that you don't like, someone that's done something wrong to you, is trying to turn the corner and do right, and it's just ticking you off? Are we doing all right this morning? I'm preaching about this theme, I am bitter. You've got to stop and consider this morning that what has destroyed churches for the last hundred years has not been alcohol, it has not been cigarettes, it has not been necessarily sloppy, loose, worldly living. What has destroyed churches for the last hundred years has been bitterness that wells deep up in generation after generation and I don't like how you do something and I don't like what she told me and after all the tone in which she said it to me wasn't very nice and 20 years from now you still hate that person and all of a sudden you see them go to an altar and you go, who do they think they are? They're just playing the role. But Joan was bitter. And he was bitter because his enemy got right. I looked for a sweet and kind way to preach this thing this morning, but it's just no go. Jonah was bitter because his enemy got right. I wonder if you're bitter here this morning because someone that's done you wrong is trying to do something right. Have you ever stopped and considered that as a child of God that you're still growing? You would like to think that you're still growing, amen? Have you considered that maybe 20 years ago that person was maybe a little bit more immature in the Lord? Would that be the right way to say it? Have you grown in the last 20 years in the Lord? Amen. Well, then they probably have too, right? I know you think you're the only one that's grown spiritually, but that's not how it goes. You've got to consider that what happened so long ago, it, while it still might be wrong and it was still uncalled for and it, and it has this place in your heart and it's torn your heart to shreds, that someone still has grown closer to the Lord possibly because of it. And if that person can get right, you shouldn't be bitter about it. But Jonah was bitter. It displeased him. It offended him. It disgusted him when his enemy started to get right. I'll show it to you. Not only that, but number two, Jonah was bitter because his enemy is getting blessed. Jonah was bitter because his enemy is getting blessed. Look at verse 2. Bible says, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and a great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. I want you to see here, first of all, I want you to notice that your bitterness always comes out in your prayer life in verse 2. It always comes out. 
You know, you can fool me. I'm pretty easy to fool. You can fool your, uh, sometimes you can fool your wife. It's hard, you know, because she knows you're pretty good. And it's really hard to fool mom, ain't it? <laughs> but you can't fool the Lord. <laughs> it always comes out in your prayer life. You see that? You notice the whole tenor of Jonah's prayer is selfish. It's bitter. Look, look at he's spiritual. No, he's not. He's a punk. God's trying to do something with somebody else, and Jonah, he's getting his bloomers in a bunch over the whole thing here. Notice your bitterness always comes out in your prayer life. It says in verse 2, And he, prayer, he prayed unto the Lord and said, I want you to notice uh, uh, here in verse 2 that your bitterness always showcases your will. It always showcases your will. Verse 2 says, Was not this my saying? When I was in my country, when you're bitter and God's blessing your enemy, you showcase your own self-will. I want you to notice here in verse 2 that your bitterness is often blaming God for your running around. Verse 2, he says, therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. You see that? We're all the way back to chapter 1. Here we are at the end of the book of Jonah, and he's recanting the details from Jonah chapter 1, and you know what he's saying in his prayer? He's saying, look, I'm so spiritual, God, it's really your fault I ran. It really is. I mean, after all, you're an all-powerful, all-omnipotent God. You knew what was going to happen, and you knew this, and I told, I told you this, God, in my country. Yeah, you founded it, right, pal? It's your fault I ran. By the way, Lord, it's your fault there was a storm. And yes, that whale was your fault too. But we know from the scripture that Jonah's the one that caused the storm. You ever stop and think in your Christian life how many storms you've caused? But yet when the storm comes, we say this, Why, Lord? <laughs> Just me, right? Yeah, nobody else. Yeah. Why? You know, why is everybody always picking on me? And the Lord's like, you ran. Jonah, you ran. It's your fault I ran. It's your fault there was a storm. And it's your fault, Lord, that I got all swallowed up. I want you to notice here in verse 2 that many times when your enemy is getting blessed and you're bitter about it, your bitterness turns you into a real know-it-all. Good morning. Your bitterness turns you into a real know-it-all. Verse 2 says, For I know thou art a gracious God, but somehow your enemy doesn't deserve God's grace. He says, For I know that thou art a merciful, but somehow your enemy doesn't deserve God's mercy, right? Verse 2, Jonah says, I know that you're slow to anger, but for whatever reason, whatever they've done to you is so bad and so unforgivable that you expect God just to wah, slap them on the head every time they step out of line, but you want Him to be gracious to you. I'm preaching about bitterness this morning. I am bitter. Remember, bitterness is what destroys churches. Bitterness is what destroys marriages. Bitterness is what destroys homes. Bitterness is what destroys the workplace. 
A lot of times we hang on to our bitterness, but eventually it comes out. I want you to see that Jonah is a real know-it-all. He knows that God is gracious. He knows that God is merciful in verse 2. He knows that God is slow to anger in verse 2. Look at verse 2. End of great kindness. Oh God, you're so kind to me. But now you're blessing my enemy and I can't stand it. And finally he says there in verse 2, And repentest thee of the evil. You see that? But somehow your enemies deserve to go to hell. You ever notice that someone who out in this community somewhere has crossed you? While you might not have said go to hell, you sure ain't going out of your way to tell them about the Lord, are you? You say, why? Bitterness. Why? God's blessing your enemy. God's blessing your enemy. Let me say this here. Jonah was bitter because his enemy was getting right. Jonah was bitter because his enemy was getting blessed. And let me say this. Number three, Jonah was bitter because the spotlight couldn't be on him anymore. Look at Jonah chapter 4 verse 3. After this is done, he says, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Can you, can you just grasp a hold of the words that Jonah's saying? God's now not going to tear up Nineveh. God's going to keep that country afloat a little bit longer. There's 360,000 people at minimum. If you read the last verse there, the Lord talks about six, uh, six score persons that don't know their right hand from the left. That would be 120,000 infants that don't know the left from the right. And if everyone just had one child, that'd be 360,000. That's a third of a million. I guarantee you there was more than that. But now the spotlight can't be on Jonah anymore. He says in verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So Jonah comes to town. He preaching hellfire in Jonah chapter 3 verse 4. He says 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And can I say it like this, not trying to be uh, perverse, but he literally scares the hell out of everybody. And not only that, but the animals are getting right in the passage. They are. Everyone starts uh, covering themselves with sackcloth and sitting in ashes. No one's eating, no one's drinking. The animals are... Co- I mean, everybody in the town gets right. All the kids, all the moms, all the dads, the king gets right, and all the beasts get right. You know what Jonah says? Kill me. Kill me. It's better for me to die. So Nineveh repents, Nineveh turns, Nineveh gets right. And the Bible says in Jonah chapter 3 verse 5, the people believe who? God. And now Jonah is going to look like a liar. So Jonah says it is better for me to die. Why? Because the spotlight has to shine on him constantly. I guess we're a little bit too close, as they would say down south to the cotton. It's real quiet this morning. But Christian, the the spotlight shouldn't be on us. You realize that when you have to have the spotlight on you, that turns up the heat. 
when you uh, constantly have to have that spotlight shine on you, you know what that does? It magnifies all your flaws. <laughs> but Jonah, somehow along the way, God reached down and he was merciful to Jonah. He, he told Jonah, hey, Jonah, I got a job for you to do. And, and Jonah's like, no, nope, not doing it, Lord. And he takes off. And so the Lord is patient with them. Isn't he patient with you? Hasn't he been patient with you? He should have threw you overboard a long time ago, amen? He should have threw you out with the trash, but he didn't if you're saved, amen? And he, he's patient with you, and, and he's come alongside of you, and he's watched you go down in the bottom of the boat and pretend like you're at peace when you're out of the will of God, and you're sleeping on the job, and you're sleeping on your Christian life and all that, and he still puts up with you. And next thing you know, uh, just to get your attention, they've got to kind of throw you overboard a little bit. And all of a sudden, you're in the middle of the storm, and here comes the whale. And that's a real bad experience, right? Especially when you get puked out. And so now the Lord says, okay, I'd like you to do this. I don't know if I've convinced you that it's probably a good idea that you might want to consider it. Jonah could have said no. But I'm thinking the whale puke and that whole ride in the belly of the whale, I'm sure that was no fun, amen? So Jonah reluctantly goes and does what the Lord wants him to do. And the whole town turns. And the whole town repents. And when they turn, and when they repent, as we preached a a couple Sundays ago, then God turns. And then God repents. He changes his mind of what he's going to do. And when Jonah sees that, that his enemy is getting right, and now that his enemy is going to get blessed, and now that the spotlight can no longer be on him, you know what he does? Kill me! I've had it. Sick and tired of this. I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. He says, let me die. You would think if Jonah was a preacher and he saw what was happening, that he'd be excited about what that town did. It gives us a great old timely truth, and you and I need to get a hold of this thing here this morning. You better learn, uh, Christian, that the message is always more important than the messenger. The preaching is always more important than the preacher. It ain't about what I said, it's about what God said. Because in Jonah chapter 3 verse 5, when Jonah goes and he preaches exactly what God tells him to, I get he probably didn't do it the right way, amen? I get he probably didn't say it the right way and he didn't have the right inflection and he didn't have the right introduction and he didn't have the right illustration and the right closing and he didn't do the altar call right, but he preached what God said and God blessed it because it was about God and the people believed God. It's not about you and me. And the reason you're bitter this morning is because you think this Christian life is about you, but it's about Jesus Christ and nobody else. Message is more important than the messenger. The preaching is more important. I'm sorry, the preaching is more important than the preacher. And you can never forget that the book is more important than the brethren. The problem I see here with Jonah, there's a lot, and of course there's a lot of problems in everyone's life, but the problems I see here is God wants to use you to reach somebody else. But here's the problem, it's not a glory train. You see, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that God will not share His glory with anybody. And as a child of God, many times we expect to get the glory for what God's doing. 
And when God wants to use us, what He wants to do is He wants to take a dirty old cruddy rag, that's you and me, and He wants to use us to wipe the crud off of some poor lost sinner. But too many Christians don't want to be a rag in the back pocket of Jesus Christ. That's what you are. If you're honest with yourself, you're nothing but a rag in the back pocket of God Almighty. And Jonah, he was bitter, and he was mad, and he was offended, and he was angry, and he was cantankerous, and he wanted to be all by himself. He didn't want to be around anybody else because the spotlight had to be on him. God help us. God help us. Show us where we're like that. And that's the problem with so many Jonas today. Job chapter 7 verse 2. Job said that that servant earnestly desireth the shadow. The older I get, the more I struggle with it. But man, I'm telling you what, there's comfort in being in the shadows. It is. It's a blessing to see God do something and just even even be somewhere assimilated with being a part of it. Well, Jonah's bitter this morning, and I would guess, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'm guessing the good number of Christians are bitter this morning. Jonah was bitter because his enemy got right. Jonah was bitter because his enemy was finally getting blessed. Jonah was bitter because the spotlight could not be on him anymore. And can I tell you this? Here's an odd one that shows up at the very end of the passage. I believe Jonah was bitter because he was all caught up in his own comfort. He was all caught up in his own comfort. Would you take your Bible and look at verse 5 and 6? It's like Jonah, he's pulled up a theater chair, pops some popcorn here and wants to see the show. He's like, well, maybe they'll just mess up or something, and maybe God will just sick them real good. Bible says in verse 5 and 6, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. Now look at the next sentence in your King James Bible. So Jonah was exceeding glad for the gourd. Are you kidding me? He's happy about a stinking gourd. I'm losing my mind. 360,000 people. 360,000 of what you and I would call heathen individuals repent, get on their face, and literally make changes that is nowhere recorded ever in any other nation in the world. They get on their face before God and they turn and they change and they repent. And that makes Jonah mad. But here's a gourd that grows up because God prepared it, the Bible said. And Jonah's happy about a gourd. There's something wrong with that boy. There's something wrong with that boy. Here's a stinking gourd in verse 6. It gives me a little bit of shade to shadow me from my grief. and That makes me glad. Christian, I don't know if you can get a hold of this this morning, but you ever stop and just think about what made you glad this week? I'm trying to make a practical application here. 
What made you glad this week? If we could put everything on a, a big screen TV of what made you glad, would we find out that what made you glad this week was all about your own comfort? Was it some show that you watched? Oh, that made me glad. Was it some meal that you ate? Oh, that just was so good. Was it your own comfort that catered to you? Trying to help you this morning, trying to get you to think for a minute. Jonah was bitter because he was caught up in his own comfort. He's glad because of a gourd. He's mad because people are believing God. Was it a meal you ate? A day off from your labor? A movie? Or was it your Bible reading? Was it your fellowship with Jesus Christ? Was it time that you spent in prayer? You ever consider what it takes to comfort you and then consider what it takes to make you angry? Look at Jonah chapter 4, verses 7 to 9. We're winding it down. The Bible says, But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? All of a sudden, you know, people, his enemies are getting right. I want to die. Little gourd pops up, give him some shade. Oh, this is really good. The gourd dies. Oh, I want to die. I think the guy's bipolar, man. Jonah's bitterness was that he was caught up in his own comfort. I hate to tell you, and this isn't confession time, but I thought long and hard about what made me happy this week. I got happy when there was a snow day. I got happy when I had a particular meal, but I won't tell you because it's none of your business. I got happy when I could see my kids, and there's nothing wrong with that stuff. But then I sat back and I considered what made me angry. And it was still things connected to my own comfort. You say, what is that, preacher? Bitterness. I am bitter. And so are you. Jonah was bitter because his enemy was getting right. Everyone in this room unless you're blind and deaf and you don't know anybody, has got an enemy. And it ain't your brother and sister in Christ, but some of you made them your enemy. And they're trying. They're trying to do right. They're trying to understand you. And you're mad because they're trying to do it right. Jonah was bitter because his enemy was getting right and his enemy is now getting blessed. You ever been like that? God bless somebody and you get mad about it because it wasn't you? You know what that is? That's bitterness. Who are they? Why did they deserve a new car? I don't know. Maybe they worked for it. Maybe you didn't take care of the one you got. I have no idea. Why are you so upset about it? 
Why do they get a vacation? I don't know. Maybe if you took one every once in a while, you wouldn't be such a crab. You see what I mean? Why are you upset when someone else, something, something good happens to you? Bitterness. Jonah was bitter because he couldn't be in the spotlight anymore. Someone else sings your song. Does it really bother you? You ever stop and think that if someone sings your song, maybe they got a real blessing out of it? I've come to that conclusion. I've heard people sing songs that the Evans family sing. You know, I'll be honest with you. The first thing I think is, well, we did it better. And all of a sudden, the Lord's like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, you're right, man. And I'm like, look at that. They're blessed by singing. And now they want to praise God, too. Now, I know some of y'all are like, oh, that's not me, preacher. Never, never, never. But Jonah was bitter because he couldn't be in the spotlight anymore. And finally, Jonah, the reason Jonah was bitter at the end was because he was all bent on catering to his own comfort. He just wanted to sit back and watch everything go by. And by doing that, he wanted to see harm come to people. And when God took away just a little bit of his comfort, he got mad. He got angry. And he wanted to die. Here's where I'm going. Let me read verse 10 and 11. Verse 9, and God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. I could hear the, I could hear it. Can't you? It's just me. I mean, he's like, oh yeah, Lord. You better believe I'm, I'm right to be angry about this thing. And here's how the book ends in 10 and 11. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein is are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. As we close the book down this morning, I just say this. The obedience of Jonah was ultimately delayed at best. It was reluctantly given and then spitefully carried out. And can I say this? The preacher ends up worse than he started. He had an opportunity to get right, which he did, and then God used him. Thank God for second chances, amen? But at the end of the book, he is now worse than he started. You say, why? Was it because he, he just didn't do a good job preaching? No, no, he did a job. Don't you see what God did through his preaching? But the reason he was worse at the end is because of his bitterness. He never dealt with his original problem in chapter 1 when he ran. And the reason he ran is because he was bitter. As we bring the message to a close, I just bring you this warning. That your bitterness as a Christian can destroy the journey between here and heaven. I didn't say God's never going to use you. We can see that God gives us second chances and God will use you and God knows that you're nothing but a pile of dirt and you're busted up and he puts the pieces back together time after time. But if you don't deal with your bitterness, it's going to destroy the journey from point A to point B. And too many Christians at, at the time of the setting sun, they're now worse off than they were when they started serving the Lord. And it's not because they couldn't have had a better trip. It's not because they couldn't have had a better journey. It's because they never dealt with the bitterness 
in chapter 1. That shows up at the end in chapter 4. I'll say this and I'm done. Are you willing to ask the hard questions this morning? They don't take a rocket scientist to figure this message out. Are you willing to ask the Holy Spirit of God at an altar this morning, am I bitter? Lord, are you able to show me where I'm bitter? Are you willing to ask the Holy Spirit to point out where you're bitter as if you didn't know? Lord, am I bitter this morning? Lord, will you please point out my bitterness to me and make it plain? And then, Lord, will you help me to remove the root today so I can go on for you? To our knowledge, and this is what I want you to get a hold of as we go, and Elizabeth's going to come to the piano and play. This is what I want you to see. To our knowledge, Jonah dies, a bitter old preacher who knows everything. His standards are right. Stay with me. His preaching was right. His congregation was right. 360,000. And yet everyone and everything, including God, was somehow wrong. Dost thou well to be angry, Christian? Well, Elizabeth's going to play. If the Holy Spirit's talked to your heart this morning, would you just come speak to him?